Hi, you are listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and then we'll start with, with verse 32, and then we're going we're gonna to go into uh, Acts chapter 5. If you've been coming here for quite some time now, we are doing a series called on choosing your future or choosing the things for your future. Um, and today I want to talk a lot about sowing and reaping. And if you don't know that is, if you didn't grow up on a farm, it's basically planting and harvesting. Um, and that sowing and reaping is kind of like the biblical words. But this idea of what we plant is what we're going to get out. Um, so if you have your Bibles open there, this is quite of a uh, lengthy passage. So we'll start with verse 32, and then we're going to read until chapter 5, verse 11. And it says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common, and with a great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was, a, uh, there, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses, they sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the feet or the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any of them had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the, apostle, um, by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, he said, Ananias, why has, your, uh, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back from, for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it, um, did it not remain in your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived um, this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias, uh, Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And a great fear came upon all who heard it. And young men rose and wrapped him, uh, well, wrapped him up and carried him outside and buried him. After the inter uh, an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for, the, for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husbands or husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young man came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all her, uh, who heard these things. I would think so. You know, it, it, it amazes me, right? Like this is New Testament. And here you have a couple that decides to lie to the Holy Spirit 
and they die. I, I think in the modern day Christianity, we've got used to this idea that God is all love, but we have to make sense of this. Does that mean that if you don't give your money, God's going to kill you? Not really. Um, he goes on to say that after this, they would, you know, the apostles got really quiet up in here. I'm just saying, like, it's okay, guys. <laughs> I have to tell you the bad news before I can tell you the good news, okay? So uh, we'll start with that. But it says, after this, there was a great, a lot of, like, signs and wonders and a great fear, but also a reverence came to the church. And it says that God added to the church daily. I mean, that's a great way to, like, I don't know, grow the church. <laughs> Be very straightforward to someone that's lying about you, uh, that's lying uh, to you. It amazes me that in the New Testament we have this account, and it's really hard to make sense of God punishing someone for lying for the Holy Spirit. Now, to be clear, they didn't get killed, they didn't die because they sold their land and then they, they, they did not give all the money. That's not what's happening here. What happened here was that Ananias saw Barnabas, right, who sold a piece of the land, and he decided not to, to sort of pretend like he's doing the same thing. He decided that, hey, this guy it looks very spiritual when you go and sell everything that you have, your land, and you come and you bring it before the apostles' feet. So what Ananias was trying to do is try to pretend like he has this amazing heart when in the back of it, he's scheming things. He is putting a plan together to hold back some of the money. So Peter confronts him and says, Ananias, wasn't your land yours to begin with? And when you sold it, wasn't all the money yours? So why wouldn't you just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to keep back this much, and I'm, I want to give half of it to the church. Or I want to give 10% of the church. Or I want to give 1% of the church. Well, I want nothing to give at all. It's fine if that's what you choose to do, right? Like, Ananias, you could have done that. But no, you had to, to kind of pretend like you have this big heart, right? And say, hey, I'm giving everything. But then you kept some of it back. And I think a lot of times we look at this and like, man, this guy is so horrible. But imagine if we are treated that way. Imagine if our church, every single time we said a white lie, or a small lie, where every single time we plant something that is not according to the Lord, imagine if we reap the same consequences. You would think that the fear of the Lord would be in this house, don't you think? <laughs> you would think people would, would tremble. And, and if you look in the history, we see how church, the church actually grows when there is persecution. Why? Because when it's free and everyone declares to be a Christian, it's easy to be a Christian. But when you actually have to walk it out and your life depends on it and you actually have to give what you say you give, then people get serious. So looking at my life, so many times we can look at Ananias and Sapphira and say, well, they're horrible. But how many times we have said white lies? How many times we've cheated on our taxes? And if you haven't done it, we would love to have more people like you in our church. How many times have we cheated on, on you know, benefits, be it welfare or be it, you know, benefits for your college or school? Like, you, you know, that loan was designed for you to go to school, but you're using it to go to Cancun. Right? Like, you know 
that that's not what you're supposed to do with that money, right? But it, it's not that big of a deal. It's just, it's just a little thing, you know? And we slowly start to compromise, right? And the thing is, to me, what, what, what gets me is, okay, if somebody goes robs a bank and they get a million dollars, at least they compromise their integrity for a million dollars. But when you go and compromise your integrity for stealing a pen from work, <laughs> it makes no sense. I'm not t telling you that when you cheat, you should cheat big, or when you steal, <laughs> you should steal big. What I'm trying to tell you is you should be just as bothered about the small things. You should be just as bothered about the things that you think, oh, it's not a big deal. And you justify it. Yeah, but if it wasn't, it wasn't, if it wasn't for some, somebody else that did this to me, then I wouldn't have done this. Yeah, but, 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 and we constantly try to justify little things like this. But God is very, very clear. Look, in the, look, look at this in um, Galatians 6, 7. He makes it very clear that don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. God makes it very clear that you might think you're getting away with things, but you aren't. Um, I, I think this is attributed to Abraham Lincoln, so I'm not sure how, that true, that, how true that is. Um, but he says something along the lines of, you can fool all people. Um, he actually says this way, you can fool all of the people some of the time, and some of the people all of the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. To which we should add, right? But you cannot fool God anytime. God can see all things. You might think you have your family fooled. You might think you have, uh, because here's the thing. A lot of times we go and we plant, you know, wheats and, and um, we, uh, rather weeds, rather, not wheats, uh, weeds. We, we plant, you know, thorns and we expect that God would send a drought so those things won't come up. You know what this looks like? You go and party Saturday night, and then you, don't, you, you come on Sunday morning, and then you wonder, like, Lord, would you make sure that what I did, that doesn't follow me? You can't plan these things that are wicked and then expect things to come up that are good. The preacher was saying, was like, he was saying that if you plant apples, you get apples. If you, if you plant pears, you get pears. If you plant bananas, you get bananas. If you plant, you know, because, you know, apples produce apples. And, and you know, <laughs> dogs produce dogs. And, you know, horses produce horses. And cats produce demons. And, like, <laughs> so I was like, what? <laughs> Some of you are so offended. Like, cats produce, not my cat. <laughs> but, like, I was just like, what? And I'm like, that, that, that kind of, like, no. But seriously, the point he was trying to make is, you know right away when someone switches it on you, right? You know that if you plant apples, you get apples. You can't be planting tomatoes and like, oh, bananas came out, right? Like you can't be doing that. You can't be planting thorns and then expect a harvest of a amazing like wheat coming out of that, right? But this is somehow we, we've, we've decided that, you know what? God doesn't see. God doesn't, you know, he, he wouldn't be concerned with the little things like that. And you know what's the sad part? Is if you're a father in this place, and you've been going around saying, like, you'll, 
you won't amount to anything? And then you wonder why your son is not amounting to anything? Maybe because of the things that you've been saying. If you've been going around and spilling tea, you know what I mean? You know? When you know you shouldn't be gossiping, some of you are thinking like, what does spilling tea have to do with gossiping? Just look it up, right? Like, <laughs> you, you, you like this idea of going talking about people behind people's back. And, and I wish to tell you that when you do something like this, you get back in proportion, but you know when you sow a seed, you, get, you can get back a thousand. No, Hosea puts it this way. If you, if you sow the wind, or in the wind, you rip, uh, reap what? The whirlwind. If you don't think that this is true, and you want to test it out, if you're a husband in the house, go up to your wife and say, honey, have you been gaining weight lately? You know, you, you automatically figure that out that you shouldn't be saying that kind of stuff pretty quickly. You, you're not going to just reap the uh, whirlwind at that moment, but for the next few years, <laughs> right? So, and we, we like to go around and start to like poke at people and say, make fun of people, and we sow something, and then people, when they turn around, and you're like, whoa, wow, you blew up quickly. Because that's what you've been sowing for a while. If you plant a corn, you're not going to get just one corn. You're going to get a lot more. You might get a thousands of those little corns. So, so this is the crazy thing that we don't realize is when we, play, uh, when we plant something that's wicked, what's going to come back is not just going to be something that's small, wicked, but it's going to be big. Think of it this way. If you went and you robbed the bank, it might have taken you 40 minutes to do that, but you might spend six to 10 years in jail for that one action. If you did something really stupid and you got caught, which I think you should get caught, right? You, you, you might just, you know, just press on the gas just a little bit, you know, just higher and higher and you drive 80. Might, that might take, I don't know, five minutes, but then you have to work few days to pay that $200 ticket. Why? Because you sold something, you broke the law, and when it comes back to you, it comes back way bigger than you anticipated. So I want to make it clear from the beginning that we have to be really careful about the things that we sow. Um, but a lot of times we don't realize that when we sow, we can't just sow everywhere. Because a lot of times we've put hard work into the wrong ground. If you have not encountered Jesus, then you know what that's like. Because you see, you can sow your talents, you can sow things that are good, you can sow hard work, but you sow it in the wrong, wrong ground. Let's say you're a musician and you write amazing music. Instead of writing amazing music for the Lord, you've been writing for Satan. You, you, you might be very good with business, but you are not using your skills to alleviate you know, suffering in the world. You, you're not using your skills to glorify God. You're using your skills to serve yourself and serve the enemy. And then you wonder why God doesn't bless that. So if we were to put this in perspective, we have to realize that sometimes you, what we need to do first is stop and to see the ground first. So we, uh, until I was uh, about 15 years old, um, we lived on a farm. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's weird because when you have a garden that it doesn't have any weeds or anything like that, it's all clean. The moment you see a weed, you just go and like, oh, I got to pick that up. <laughs> and you just, you just pick it up. And if you don't, 
if you don't have an experience like that, the best way I can say it is if you're one of those people that your house is so clean and you're a minimalist and everything is just like perfect and you go to somebody's house and the, the, you know, the portrait is a little bit kind of crooked and they're talking, you're like, could you wait just a second? And you go and you fix it. Like, this is bothering me, right? Like, why? Because you notice, thing, uh, notice things like that when everything is clean. But when you go to a garden, when you, when you go to your room and there's stuff everywhere, Right? Like if it's clean, you're like, oh, that cup doesn't belong there. I should move it over just a bit. Right? Like when it's clean. But when you have just a, you know, like in Russian, I think that there's a word bardak. Like it's just like everywhere. Right? Like it's just chaos. Then you're not as concerned with saying, okay, well, I got to move this cup over because everything's in, uh, in the wrong place. Right? What I'm tr- trying to tell you is if you came in the house this morning, and Lord Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of your life, then your heart might be a ground like that or a garden like that. There's just full grown of weeds and thorns and thistles and all these things that are all over the place. Because in your heart, there are, thing, there are things that were sown in by your parents that maybe were not godly, by other people's you, you took on their philosophy and everyone sort of sowed into your life and now you're a product and, you, and, and go into a garden like this that is just full of, of weeds and stuff. Like, it can be very disheartening. What's the point? Because this is, this is just too much. What's the point if I go and pull another weed? What's the, what's the point of doing any of that? So what, what has to happen here, what we would do in our garden is we would get a tractor, right? And we put a huge plow behind it. And we just plow the ground. And I was praying this morning, like, Lord, give me a way to explain. How can I explain what happens when Jesus becomes the Lord and Savior of our life? And this, you know, this image popped in my mind about plowing. That's what Jesus does. He comes and he takes everything and turns it on its head and completely flips it upside down. And says, everything that's been planting, I'm gonna uproot all of that. And from now on, I'm gonna start getting this ground ready to plant good things. That's what happens. You can't just go, and because I could give you a message this morning that all you have to do from now on is just, is just plant good seeds. It's true, you should do that. but you're dealing with things that are broken from your childhood. You're dealing with things from your parents, from your grandparents, and the things they've been sowing into your life. And that has to be uprooted. That has to be completely flipped on on its head. You can't just go and try to like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, (laughs) move when there's, I gotta move this cup when your your whole room is messy. Jesus comes and he starts to clean everything up and it's painful because you have an attachment to those things. We like, and we like to keep our hurts. We like to keep our bitterness. We like to keep the things that happened in the, in the past because it, it, it brands us as a victim and we can have an excuse of why we're walking the way we're walking. You know, I would be different if it wasn't for, I, I would do differently if my parents were, or my sister, or my brother, or this, or that, or that, or that. And we like to walk in that, because we like a pity party. And when Jesus comes and says, uh-uh, we can't do this anymore. Preach, right? We have to change the way we've been going. And that's going to take some plowing of the heart. 
And I'm sorry, but you can't do that. It's Jesus who comes and starts to undo all that. Uh, last night, I went to see my mom. It's always a joy to see her. And we, we were sitting uh, at the table. I'm like, Mom, I got to go because it's been kind of an hour. And I'm like, I got a whole bunch of things to do. And she's like, just, just say, I want to show you something. And she opens up her cell phone. And she's, you know, she takes a while to open up. But like, <laughs> she opens up a cell phone and she shows me a picture. And she's like, do you know who this is? It's a picture of a, a, a gravestone. And there's a picture on it. Uh, and I'm like, of course I know who that is. That's Grandma. And she's like, wow, you remembered. And I'm like, Mom, I was four, but I remember her funeral. I, I remember a lot of the things about her. And she started to cry. And she's like, what a godly legacy she left in our life. Between her, your father, my dad, and, and like what a godly legacy she left in, a, in, our, in our life, you know? And she was just crying. Here you have someone that is 17 years old encountered Jesus and came into our village in a little thing and, and completely, you know, started to pray with people. And there was, we had no church at that time. And then a church started. And then there's a church now because of people like her in our village at that time. Because regardless of the abuse at home, she, she was abused by her husband. And regardless of the abuse, she chose not to be a victim and say, I'm going to pl- plant on the spirit. I'm not going to plant into the, the, the flesh. So my first point to you this morning is, what are you planting? Are you planting good things? Why are you planting bad things? Uh, your actions, you see, what, what are seeds? Seeds are, it could be your words, your thoughts. You know that if you've been thinking of something for long enough, you'll start acting out. So your thoughts could be seeds that you have been entertaining, you've been growing. If you've been planting words, we talked about the whole thing, you should really watch what you say, especially the people you really, really love. But even if people that you don't love, Jesus says, love your enemies, right? So, so your words, your actions, those are all things that we see. A seed is anything that is a value of you that you place in the ground, right? Where you, you invest it to get something more. For example, when we didn't have food, let's say we were running low on tomatoes, right? Like, or potatoes or whatever that was. During the winter, we realized, okay, we don't have enough potatoes. So this year, we have to plant a lot of potatoes. Now, we could have just eaten those potatoes because we didn't have potatoes. But if you ate those potatoes, then you had nothing to plant. So what I want to tell you this morning is if you have a need, you need to what? Plant a seed, right? <laughs> this is Rick Warren line. But if you have a need, you should be planting a seed. You see, we expect God to come and transform our lives, but we want nothing to do with us actually doing something about this. You can't go around thinking why you're financially broke when you haven't been planting. You can't go around expecting why nobody's nice to you when you haven't been nice to people. You can't go around expecting why people are not gentle to you when you have kind of been a little bit abrasive, to be quite honest. You can't go around and say things like, well, the church doesn't care about me when you're part of the church and you're not doing it. You can't go around, right, and and do things to people and talk about people and then expect that not to come back and friendships not to be ruined. Everything that we plant. So this morning, I don't know how it came in. This is not a message on money, guys. This is bigger than that. If you came in this morning, you have a need. Start planting. 
You know, if you are dealing with financial difficulties, start planting. You don't have to give to our church. But be faithful in your giving to whoever God has placed. I hope that you, you know, are plugging yourself in this church and you are, are giving to this church. I, I, I believe in the local church. I, my whole heart is in the local church. But often what happens is, oh, I'm, I'm a guest here, so I'm not going to give. And you don't give anywhere. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, this, this missionary, I don't really like the way he talks, so I'm not going to give. And then you wonder why you still have a need, because you're not planting. You wonder all these things when you're not actually taking the step. Because here's the bigger problem, right? The reason we don't plant is because it takes faith. How do I know for sure that this is going to come up? So the next thing I want to say is when you plant, it takes faith. I remember the story of this guy who was walking through a desert and he was so thirsty and he found this well. And in this well, there was a, a note say, and saying, under, this, under that rock, you're going to find a water, uh, a water bottle full of water, but don't drink it. Make sure you prime the well with it and then get as much water as you want. And after you get as much water as you want, fill up, fill up the bottle, put it on, back under the rock, and go your way. Imagine if this guy was so thirsty that he decided, I'm just going to drink it. Then nobody will have a, wa- a water after that. You see, a lot of times it's so tempting to hold on to our little things when God says, just, just trust me with this. Because you see, you're not just planting for yourself. You're planting for all the people that come after you. The choices that you make doesn't just affect you. The choices that you make affects your kids, your grandkids, your grand-grand-grandkids, if the Lord doesn't come back until then, right? Like, it affects all of those people. And you could sit in this church and say, well, I'm a minority, so I've been, you know, racially profiled, and I'm, I'm hurt. You could say that. And I could say, sit here, I'm, I'm an immigrant, you know, and I, I feel like I've been, we, we can, all of us can define ourselves by our hurts. Uh, my dad, you know, you can say my dad wasn't, but like, you could say, well, my dad was an alcoholic, and that's the way I am the way I am. Uh, my, my parents were this, or my, 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 my family was this, and you can make these excuses where you can say, the bucket stops with me, and from now on, I will no longer be defined by the things that were planted into my life. I will allow the Holy Spirit to come, and Jesus to plow my heart, and from now on, I'm going to start planting things that are godly, because I want to change the, the trajectory of our generation. I want to change the trajectory of my family, of my last name. I want to change the trajectory, and I'll go down in history as a man who, you know, was godly, a man who walked with the Lord daily. This is what I'm going to do in my life. It's a little bit of a shift of mentality. Because you see, once Jesus comes and plows the heart, then you have to realize, okay, what, where am I planting, Right? We have to make sure that the, the, the soil is ripe or the soil is good for, for receiving, not ripe, for receiving the seed, right? Because you see, here's the thing. In um, this passage in uh, Galatians 5.16, so it's the passage before this one, right? It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, feats of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such a things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with his passions and desires. And then we get into our text, right? Like we read before into uh, Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived for God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap, what? Corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of the faith. So you have this kind of broken down pretty, pretty um, straightforward, right? Like, if you sow in the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you slow, uh, sow into the spirit, you receive eternal life and the things of the spirit. Because here's the thing, you can plant good things like I've talked about, like good work, uh, you know, hard work rather. Uh, you can plant your talents into the wrong fields. If you start to, you know, if you're a musician and you start to play for a band that is not godly, you are planting good seeds into a thing that's not godly. And from that, you will receive corruption, even though you're still planting good seeds. So, so what I'm trying to tell you is it's kind of pointless to plant stuff into a garden that's full of weeds because those weeds will choke it out. So first, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and Jesus to plow our hearts and then we start to plant things that are good, like the fruits of the Spirit, right? Like love, joy, peace, all those things. But you see, those things, they're called fruits for a reason because they kind of take a while to, to grow. What I want to say is once you take that step of faith and you planted that seed, you might come to church and you say, okay, I only have 100 bucks, so I'm going to give 10 bucks to the church, right? And you walk out and like, wow, that's weird. I'm not getting a thousand bucks from anywhere, so I don't know how this whole thing works because I don't see the results of my giving. I just walked out. I just gave $10 to the church. By now, my financial problems should go away. But that's not how things work. When you plan something, you have to wait. You, you have to wait until you receive a harvest. So this idea that somehow, if you are just being nice today, people automatically will be nice to you, Good luck, right? No, you're constantly planting. You don't know when what you've planted 10 years ago will start to show up in your life. But the hope here is that God is, he, he keeps his promises. And in due time, you will see the results of your planting. In due time, my mom saw the results of her godliness planted in my life. 
it wasn't exactly like 16. I was kind of, you know, I wasn't the most rebellious kid, but I wasn't an angel either, right? So, so when you plan something, if you are praying for your sons and your daughters, like, and nothing is changing, keep on planting. If you've been giving and nothing is changing in your financial situation, keep on giving. If you've been nice to people, nobody's been nice to you, keep on really giving on this one. Because people will still not be nice to you. Right? Like, you constantly keep on planting regardless of seeing, you know, I, I've said this before, but I remember my dad literally forcing us. I think my dad had a whole bunch of kids because he needed help. <laughs> so he, uh, like, told us to plant corn, and, man, I hated it. And I was like, oh, I can I just you know, dig a hole and kind of pour the whole bucket of corn in there? Why do I have to take this? And, and it takes forever. And then the next day I'll go and be like, <laughs> there's nothing there. All that work for nothing. But then a few, <laughs> few weeks later, I start to see little green things. And I'm like, wow, that's, oh, this is interesting. And I completely forgot about it. Then I come back and there's just corn everywhere. Right? You might come and serve at our church and nobody's appreciating you. You're not on stage. Nobody even knows your name. I probably called you by different names by seven times. Right? And you feel extremely underappreciated. Right? Like, and you might look at that and be like, I don't see the results of that. Trust God on this. One day you'll walk and say, look, all these leaders, all these kids who used to be my Sunday school, now they're leading churches. Now they're going and planting. At that time, nobody wanted to do kids' ministry. But now I can see the results of that. So in due time, you will see our harvest. Because this is what, what's going, what it says here, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we do not give up. So then as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of the faith. I don't know why this is here, but the Bible says that especially to those in the church, you should be really good. And don't grow weary of doing good. So first we have to allow the Holy Spirit and Jesus to come and, and plow the heart. And then we have to plant and we have to wait we have to take it by faith and say, God, I trust you that if I give, God, if I, if I do what you're telling me, that you are going to bring a harvest. And then we have to be patient. But, you know, it's not like watching paint dry, right? Like being patient is not like going every single day like, oh, my little plant is not coming up yet. Like, no, it's not that. While you're waiting, go keep on planting. Like, don't, oh, you know, to me, what just gets to me, especially the older generation, and I'm sorry if, I don't want to go off of the older generation because I really respect the older generation, but when I have people that are older and they talk about the good old days, the God moved and this generation doesn't understand anything about God, and, and, and I'm like, how about you do something about that? Stop talking about some harvest that you had 20 years ago. Keep on planting daily. Stop obsessing over, did my plant grow or not? Keep on planting. Keep on encouraging. Keep on preaching. Keep on giving. Keep on coming and saying, hey, I'm going to cry with you. I'm going to share your burden, and I'm going to rejoice with you. And your trouble and your joy. I love this passage. I remember exactly where it's written, but it says, those who plant in sorrow 
reap a harvest of joy. So even in the moment where, where you see people are prospering around you and they're harvesting, you know, something they, they planted some 20 years ago and you're like, God, but where's, where's my harvest? It's easy to compare your life with people that are successful, isn't it? But you don't understand what that person had to do to get there. You don't understand the stuff that they have to go through, the prayer life, all the, the, the failures, all the time they keep on planting. There is no easy answers. I wish I could tell you, well, if you just say abracadabra, things will be. There is no special word that I can give you this morning that will change your life. What I can tell you is that if you embrace what God says in the Bible, the Holy Spirit will come and quicken that, right? But you still have to walk in faith. You have to, you know, say, okay, Lord, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I trust you. It's funny. I always joke about this. Every single time I preach, I'm like, the best way I can describe preaching is jumping off a cliff and you don't know how you're going to land. <laughs> like, I've done speeches at colleges and all that, and for me, it's like, if you know, the, if you know the, the material, you're fine, but preaching, like, sometimes you go up there and you're like, I have a great sermon, and you face plant, and people are just like, and sometimes you think you have the worst sermon, and, they, and it's like, you can never trust in your own abilities. You have to say, God, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to broadcast. By the way, I don't know if you know the word broadcast, where it comes from, but broadcasting comes from, you know, the sower having a whole bunch of, you know, wheat, for example, and he would take it and he would broadcast it, right? Like he would actually throw it. And that's how we get a, our word broadcasting. So whatever you've been broadcasting on social media, that will come back. Whatever you've bro been broadcasting from the pulpit, from your small group, uh, you know, that will come back if it's godly. Because here's the bad part is, if you've been planting bad things, bad things will come. But the good news is that if you've been planting good things, good things will come. Now, sometimes this might not be true. And I explain why. Because you see, even if you plant good seeds, there's also a chance the enemy is going to come and plant his seed. As a parent, you might do everything perfectly for your kids, but the enemy might come and still, there's certain things that... We trust the Lord on this. Uh, the best way I can describe it is what Jesus said. And there's a parable where he says that these farmers went out and they planted good seed and then the enemy came and started sowing his seed. And when it came up, they were very confused. And they were like, why? Wait, wait a second. Like we planted good seed. W what is this? Should we go and pull it up? And it says the farmer says, no, let it grow until the harvest and then we'll separate wheat from, from, you know, thorns. What I want to tell you is that we all in the modern day church, we all can call ourselves Christians. But the enemy is going to come and still plant his people amongst us. Now, don't look at your neighbor right now because it's going to be really awkward. But like, what I want to tell you is that enemy is still going to try to find a way in. You might do everything perfectly. This is not a message. If you did everything perfectly, God's going to bless you and everything in your office is going to be perfectly. No, you might still deal with brokenness. You might still have to go from time to time and see the weed and pull it out. And some things will never pull out until you get to into eternity. God might give you a neighbor that is so ungodly 
and is constantly making your life. And, and, and it's not a, someone that you're trying to reach with the gospel because you've been trying to do that, but they're completely against, you know, and you understand they're an agent of the enemy. Now, we, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the enemy, but the enemy uses people. So those, w- the, the way we, you know, pull those weeds out is by prayer. Is by going to the Lord and saying, God, I, I don't know what to do with, about this. I love my neighbor, but they're not godly. They're, they're just constantly, my, I like my coworker. I love my coworker. I'm praying for my coworker, but all they want is to destroy me. All they want is to, 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 to embarrass me. So what I want to tell you is you will have those moments. Don't throw up your hands and say, from now on, I'm not planning anything because I'm done. No, keep on sowing. Don't give up. Keep on sowing. Because you see, in due time, the work that we've been planting will show up. If you've been planting good things, good things will come out. And if you've been pretending, like Ananias and Sapphira, that you're good and all that, they will come out. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. So my call to you this morning is this, is that I want to ask you, what have you been planting? Where have you been planting? And have you been persistent in planting? Because you see, if you've been planting in the flesh, you will reap corruption. If you've been planting in the spirit, you'll reap from that eternal life. I love how Proverbs 6, 11 makes it very clear. It says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven, there are an abomination to him. Ha- uh, haughty eyes, which means arrogant eyes. A lying tongue. The hands that sh- shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathe out lies. And the one who sows discord among brothers. There is no, to us might be a gray area, but to God, things are very black and white. We can justify things and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. But God's saying, I hate lying tongues. I hate people that, uh, well, not people, but I hate feet that rush into evil. Right? If you have that attitude of, okay, what's next? If you're scheming, thinking that you're going to get away with it, God hates that. He says, um, he hates a false witness where people that where the, the, this is put, uh, puts out here says, and the one who sows discord among many brothers. If you are an agent of discord, meaning that you go and you cause people not to walk in unity, you don't care. Like I, I call these people like the bomb throwers, right? They come, they throw a bomb, and everyone has to deal with the aftermath of the bomb, and they just walk away. What are you doing? When you go and you start making fun of pastors and when you make and you start to talk about the leaders, have you heard what this guy has done or this? And, and the whole purpose is not for them, for you to restore that person, to go up to them and say, hey, the way you've been walking, it's not Christ-like. But the whole point is of, of lowering the bar. The whole point of what you're doing is to bring division. The whole point is to bring discord and people not to walk in unity. That is something that God just hates 
So I think that's, again, I'm not, by the way, I'm not talking about a specific instance here. What about a particular person? So make that very clear. I'm just talking about generally. So don't get offended, you know, if the shoe fits, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but what I'm trying to tell you is that we have to take these things seriously. Ananias and Sapphira, they're New Testament people. They're not Old Testament. This is the first time that sin sort of enters the church. And people are, you know, scheming behind to mock God, to make a mockery of what God is doing. So my call to you this morning is this, is whatever you've been going through, I don't know how you got here. Who has been planting in your life? Maybe you had a broken family and, or maybe you came from, you know, a minority group, or maybe, and, and you, started to identify by the things that happen in your life, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your heart this morning. But for that to happen, you have to make Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And that might not be the easiest thing you'll do. You might make that commitment, but the moment you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you're no longer in control of your life. He will take control of what, what, what you own, uh, own, rather. He will take control over your tongue. Say, no, 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 we don't talk like that anymore. I mean, how many times have I rushed into evil and the Holy Spirit be like, no, 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 steer me the other way. You shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be going there. And a conviction would come over me and I was like, Wow, like this is, this is real. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you in the way you should go. And maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but you've been doing these things thinking like, well, it's not that big of a deal. What's the big deal if I say a little bit of gossip here and there? What's the big deal if I just make fun of this person? And guys... And girls, I, I'm, I'm just as guilty as everyone else. And this is something that the Lord has convicted me of when I was writing this message for the last few days. This is not just saying, oh, you're, you guys are doing this. As a church, things need to change. The way we treat people, non-believers, the way, the way we broadcast, you know, what we, what we sow on social media. The words we use with our, you know, significant other people, like people in our family, if you're married, your spouse, the way you talk to your kids. I, it, it's weird how, as a kid, there's certain things my dad said that I still remember like it was yesterday. And some of them are really good and some of them are really bad. <laughs> so, like, you remember those moments. The way we talk to one another, the way we treat one another, the way we give. All of this is New Testament. And we think we have everyone fooled? No. You can't fool everyone all the time. And better yet, you cannot fool God anytime. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.